Thanks so much. Randy, it's been great to uh, be with you, and it's been great getting to know Randy, and the uh, conference that we had was uh, terrific, and uh, it was two days, Friday night and then Saturday morning, and uh, one of the things that we uh, uh, decided is that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are morning people, and there are night people, and uh, I'd like to find out how many of you are morning people. Stand up. Yeah, look at all the morning people. All right, you may be seated. All right, those of you that are night people are just now waking up. That's fine. All right, but there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are extroverts and there are introverts. Those of you who are extroverts, stand up. That's funny. Okay, not not a whole lot. Just those of you that are introverts, okay, you can all be seated. Those of you that are introverts, you can stay seated and just nod your head. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are huggers and there are non-huggers. I'm a non-hugger. I have a lot of huggers coming up to me trying to convert me. It's not going to work. Those of you who are huggers, stand up. (laughs) Okay, now before you're seated, hug. (laughs) Before you're seated, turn and hug somebody that's sitting down. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are, okay, no hugging strangers, please. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are rule breakers and rule keepers. Those of you that are rule keepers, stand up. That's funny. The Christian church is filled with rule keepers. What I want to know is how many of you that are are really rule breakers and you just stood? Yeah, that that would have been me. I'm a rule breaker. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are singers and there are non-singers. Those of you that are singers, stand up. All right, not too many. There are a lot more singers in the first service. Those of you that are sitting next to somebody that stood up and you're saying, no, they're not a singer, raise your hand. (laughs) I saw those hands back there. That's pretty bad. Okay, now your pastor gave me a few that I should try out on you, okay? You ready? There are really only two kinds of people in the, in the, in the world. There are Jimmy John's fans and Subway fans. Those of you that are Subway fans, stand up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're even clapping. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are Papa Dells and Monocles. Those of you that are Papa Dells, stand up. <laughs> They're clapping. I don't even know what Monica, I don't know what Papa Dells is. I'll have to check it out before I go out of town. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are Cubs fans and there are Cards fans. Those of you that are Cubs fans, stand up. Okay, you're really out of hand now. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are Okies and everyone else. Those of you that are Okies, stand up. (laughs) Crazy, crazy. Okay, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. And you don't have to respond to this, but it's really true. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. And the Bible tells us very clearly. There are Christians 
and there are non-Christians. The Bible is so clear in 1 John 5, 11, and 12. Our pastor read it for us. There are people that have the Son, and there are people that do not have the Son. There are believers, and there are non-believers. And, the, and where I come from in my church, uh, back at Willow Creek in Chicago, we call non-believers seekers or explorers. The Bible's really clear. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. And the greatest question that you could ever ask yourself in your entire lifetime is this. Do I have the Son? Do I have Jesus Christ in my life? And uh, maybe there are some of you here that haven't made that decision. You haven't put the stake in the ground and you haven't decided to, to turn over your life to Christ, to invite him to, receive, to, to forgive you of your sins and to receive him. And I'd like to challenge you to do that in the quietness of your own heart. You can make that decision. Maybe that's the reason why you came to church today, is that you can, you can make that decision, solidify it, and say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ and him alone for, for the forgiveness of my sin, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him and serve him and worship him and honor him with my life. The greatest question that you could ever ask yourself in your entire lifetime is, do I have the Son of God? Have I received him into my life? The greatest question that you could ever ask another human being in your entire lifetime is, do you have the Son? Do you have Jesus Christ in your life? Do you know him? Have you found forgiveness through Christ? Have you found the peace and the joy that comes from knowing Christ? You see, God has set it up that he's asking people who already have the Son to go to people who don't have the Son and tell them about the Son. Do you follow that? God has wired it up, he's orchestrated it in such a way that those of us who do have the Son are to go and look around to people who don't yet have the Son and tell them about the Son. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says, and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. If you're a follower of a Christ, you are Christ's representative. You're his ambassador. You're his messenger. Now, I became a Christian at an early age when I was about 10 years old. I invited Christ into my life. My parents both became Christians when they were young kids, and they raised me in a Christian home, my brother and my sister. And uh, for some reason, I, know, I, I can't really quite understand it, I always had a passion to try to reach out to people who were far from God. I got this concept down, that I was an ambassador for Christ, I was his representative, and I was always looking for ways to try to figure out how I could share my, my faith in an effective way and not push my friends away, but rather attract them. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, um, my father and I, would we, would we would watch television, we would watch two th- programs together. <laughs> it seemed like we were always watching Cubs games, and we were watching Billy Graham. <laughs> Can you believe it? And uh, I, I was very excited about the Cubs, and I wasn't very excited about Billy Graham until I started listening to him preach. And uh, God would get a hold of my heart, and I would watch 
how God would use Billy Graham and people would receive Christ and their lives would change and that intrigued me and and then Billy Graham told the story about Jim Elliot. Have you heard of Jim Elliot? Jim Elliot was a great missionary and he was killed by the Aka Indians at the age of 21. He was trying to present the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel. But at 19, he wrote a poem. It was a prayer, and Billy Graham quoted it, and I remembered it as a kid. And the poem went like this, Lord, make of me a crisis man. Let me not be a milepost on a single road, but make me a fork that men must turn one way or another in facing Christ in me. When I heard those words, I, I felt compelled to be a fork in the road. When a person met me, I wanted them to have to decide one way or another in facing Christ in me. But I wanted to do it in a way that would not push my friends away, but I would maintain the friendships. And so that became a challenge for me. And, and your pastor was mentioning how this weekend we talked about how evangelism is a, is a dirty word, really. Non-Christians don't like it, and Christians don't like it. And uh, in fact, if you don't mind, I know this is maybe a little bit different than what you're used to. I would like to have you huddle up into groups of two or three or four, and I'd like to have you discuss a question, and then I want to hear what you come up with. So humor me on this, would you? Uh, Just go along with it. Uh, uh, Discuss why evangelism is so difficult. Discuss amongst yourselves, why is it that non-Christians avoid Christians, or why is it that Christians avoid non-Christians. Why is this process of engaging in spiritual conversations so challenging or so difficult? And I'd like to hear what you came up with, okay? So talk amongst yourselves, all right? Go. All right, let me get your attention. You could probably talk a lot longer on this, but uh, save it for lunch. Um, But uh, let me hear from you. Raise your hand and just one at a time, give me some things that you came up with. What is, what is so difficult about evangelism? What, why do Christians avoid non-Christians and vice versa? What'd you come up with? Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. That's very good. Let me repeat it so everybody can hear. He's saying, Um, it's hard to kind of talk about spiritual things because we're afraid that we're going to push our friends away and they don't want to talk about it anymore or talk to us or be our friend. We'll feel rejected. That's good. What else? Yes. It requires both people to go out of their comfort zones. Yes, it requires both people to go out of their comfort zones. That's big. That's true. Yes. Right. Okay. Very good. He's saying we're in a pluralist society and all roads lead to the same thing. So it doesn't really matter, you know? So why even engage in that? Yeah. What else? What else? Yes. Yep. Okay. So let me, let me summarize it. He's saying that, um, some people believe that once you die, you die and that's it. And there's nothing else after this life. So just live, be happy, be merry, and don't worry about this kind of stuff. So it's not a high priority. Good. Good. Yes. Very good, very good. Okay, so he said non-Christians are turned off by, by Christians sometimes because Christians are preaching at them. They have an attitude like, I'm better than, than they are, and uh, maybe they're even viewing them as their project. That's big, that's big. Okay, somebody on this side of the room, I don't want to avoid you over here. Anybody have uh, an idea? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
oh, this is very good, this is very good, that Christians don't have all the answers, and so why would they want to engage in conversations where questions are going to come up, and you're not going to be able to answer, you know, and you're going to look stupid, you know? So we're not maybe well-equipped, we're not uh, trained, yep. Somebody had their hand up over here, yeah. Yes. Great, okay, very good. Christians sometimes are reluctant to share their faith because we don't want to be categorized, or we don't want to be put, you use the word loony, Okay. <laughs> Why would we want to be viewed as loony people? Okay, one, you, you had your hand up. Yeah. A lot of okay, so, so non-Christians aren't going to necessarily want to change their life and change their lifestyle. And to be around uh, Christians makes them feel guilty or they like to have to change their way of living. And that's not a really good thing. Okay. All right. You guys have convinced me. There are plenty of reasons why evangelism is so challenging. In fact, one of the times I was doing this, uh, a guy, he was in college, he said, you know, I think the reason why evangelism is so difficult is like a Christian talking to a non-Christian is like a guy trying to ask a girl out who's not interested in him. It's not going to (laughs) work. Wasn't that pretty clever? That's about what it's like. (laughs) Trying to ask somebody out who's not interested in you at all. It's a rejection, you know. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about an approach that I think can minimize some of these challenges and some of these obstacles to engaging in spiritual conversations, all right? And I want to give you a very simple approach, but before I tell you what the approach is, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you about a friend of mine named Jay. Jay is a, a kid that I met in junior high. You know, even though I, had, I was a Christian, I had this passion for sharing my faith Uh, My family, uh, we grew up in the Chicago area, and then we moved to a small town in Indiana called Frankfurt, Indiana, okay? Home of the Frankfurt Hot Dogs, all right? So I was in junior high and high school there growing up, and I met this kid named Jay. Jay and I had a lot in common, and uh, we also were very competitive, so we had this rivalry going on. We would compete in the things that we liked to do. So we were very interested in sports. We played as many different sports as we possibly could, but it seemed like we were always trying out for the same position so we could see who could get first string or not, you know. And uh, we both played the trumpet, and I was watching the, the trumpeters in the band, and I was remembering Jay and I played trumpet, and we would compete for who could be first chair. Sometimes he was first chair, sometimes I'd be first chair. And uh, we had all this going on as we were growing up, but there was one major difference. I was a Christ follower. Jay was an atheist. And it seemed like wherever we went, Jay would make that fact known. He would tell people. And I'd be like, would you just be quiet about this? You know, but he'd say, hey, you guys, I don't believe in God, but Gary does. Isn't that weird? You know, and, and, he would, and he'd, he'd be like uh, this atheistic evangelist, you know. <laughs> And uh, I'll never forget this one time we were on a bus with a bunch of guys. We were on a road trip, and uh, Jay and I were in the front of the bus. We were in the very front seat, and we were having this conversation. And, and uh, you know, eventually we were talking about uh, the existence of God, and we, were got, we got into this little bit of an argument. And he turns back and looks at the guys at the bus, and he says, those guys look bored. He goes, let's stir things up. So he stands up in the front of the bus, and he says, hey, guys, those of you that believe there's a God, sit on this side of the bus. And those of you that don't believe in a God, sit on this side of the bus. He goes, I'm going to represent those that don't believe in God. And Gary here, and he pulls me up. He's going to represent those that believe in God, and we're going to have a debate. And we're going to settle this once and for all, you know. And for that whole bus ride, we had this animated discussion about 
whether or not God exists. I'll never forget it. You know, every guy in the bus had to make a, a choice, you know, and uh, we're arguing about it. And then we uh, continued our friendship, and it came to be our senior year in high school. And it was the last week of classes, and uh, it was during final exams, and Jay and I were in an advanced math class together. There's only about, like, 20 kids in the class. And uh, we were in the room getting ready for the very last exam. And uh, we were cramming, and the teacher wasn't even in the room yet. And Jay, you know, the outgoing atheist that he was, he gets up to the front of the class and he says, you guys, I think we need some divine intervention. He said, how about if I say a prayer for us? And he says, oh God, oh God, oh God, I know you're not up there, but help us on this exam, you know? And the kids all laughed, and he came back, and he sat down right next to me, and I said, Jay, for an atheist, that was a mighty fine prayer, you know? And he looked me right back in the eyes, and he said, Gary, that was the first time I've ever prayed. I never forgot that. It was sort of a mock prayer that he prayed for the first time. Well, that summer, we both had summer jobs, getting ready to go to college. But in the evenings, we played tennis together. We played tennis almost every night. And the pattern would be this. We'd play late into the night, well past midnight, under the lights. And then we'd finish up, shut off the lights, and go sit on the hoods of our cars in the gravel parking lot of that park in Frankfort, Indiana. And we'd talk about our high school days and dream about our future days in college. And we'd talk about all kinds of things. And um, he'd talk about how badly he beat me. And I'd say, you're wrong, I beat you. you know? And we'd just go back and forth. And then eventually, the conversation would turn towards spiritual things. And it was usually Jay who would initiate it. And he'd say, now, Gary, don't get me wrong. I don't believe in God or anything, but if God does exist... Why did he create such a messed up world? Couldn't he do a better job? There's too much evil and suffering in the world. You know, and I tried the best I could to try to answer and stumbled through trying to think about, you know, why that would be. And, and then the next night, we played tennis late into the night, well past midnight, shut the lights off, sit in the hoods of our cars, talk about life. And then Jay would ask another question about God about spiritual things, he'd say, you know, I don't believe in God, now don't get me wrong, but do you really think there's an afterlife? Is there really life after death, and is there a heaven and a hell? And I tried the best I could to try to give my response, and I don't think I answered his questions very well, but we did that night after night after night, all through the summer, and then finally it came to the very last evening before we're going to go our separate ways to college, and we played tennis, and uh, I think I beat him that time. And then we sat on the hoods of our cars, and this time, Jay didn't waste any, any time. He went straight for the spiritual. And uh, there was, a, there was a, an intensity to it that I had not really seen before. And he was asking me questions. He was saying, you know, I don't believe in God. Now, don't get me wrong, but how is it that Jesus Christ could forgive the sins of the world? doesn't add up. I mean, his death on the cross, what, I don't get that. How do you explain that? And I tried the best I could. And he says, now, how do you, how do you receive Christ into your life? How, do you, how does that work? You invite him? What, what is that? And I tried the best I could. And you have a personal relationship with God? I mean, you hear him? You, what, what is that? You know, I tried 
to talk to him about it. And then when we finished up, we said goodbye. and We didn't hug each other. Just, <laughs> hey, man. He got in his car, drove in one direction. I got in my car and drove in this direction. And I came to a stop sign inside the park, and I couldn't drive any further. I was broken for my friend Jay. And I remember I put my head on the steering wheel, and I started praying, and I said, Oh, God, please help Jay. Please help him to find you. He's so close and yet so far. And I remember a tear was coming down my cheek, and I was, I was sincerely broken. And I think that was the first time that I realized I have a heart for people who are far from God. And I want to see him come to know God through Christ. And those days with Jay taught me a lot about how to talk about spiritual things and maintain the friendship. And that's what I want to share with you in a very simple way, a simple approach. I call it living in 3D. And I want to give you three Ds to take with you that you can apply in your life with your friends who are far away from God. And the first D is this. Develop friendships. Develop friendships. First Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8 says, But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you, you had become very dear to us. The Bible calls us to not only present the gospel to people, but to give our very lives. That means that we're to be friends with people who are far from God. You know who was our greatest example of that? It was Jesus Christ. In fact, he spent so much time with sinners that the religious leaders of his day accused him of spending too much time with sinners and that he could not be of God. (laughs) But he said, I'm called to save, to seek and to save those that are lost. That's what he was here for to be among the sinners. And he set the example for us. He's calling us to be his representatives, his ambassadors, to rub shoulders with people who are far from God. The statistics say that the, further, the longer that you're a Christ follower, the fewer non-Christian friends you have. And I want to just challenge you to, to reverse that trend, to break out of what I call the holy huddle. Do you know what the holy huddle is? That's where you just hang out with Christians. You only do things socially with Christians. But to, I want to challenge you to develop friendships, to break out of the holy huddle. It's good to be with Christians. It's good to be in small group Bible studies and church with Christians. But there are times when we need to break out of the holy huddle and look for people in our world, in our sphere of influence, who are far from God and befriend them. Not view them as projects, but to develop genuine, authentic Loving friendships with them. The second D is discover stories. Discover stories. Philippians 2, 4 says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Discover stories. This is sort of a paradigm shift for evangelism. This is what I think will help make evangelism a more positive experience for both Christians and non-Christians. What about this? Instead of thinking about, I'm the Christian and I'm going to find some non-Christian, I'm going to tell them my story and then tell them God's story, how about if we were to reverse that? How about if we were to emphasize finding out about the other person's story first? 
What if we made evangelism about our non-Christian friends? What if we cared about them so much that we didn't force our agenda on them, but we listened to them and heard their stories? You know what I found? Non-Christians love to tell their stories. They, can't, they just can't seem to find Christians who are willing to stop talking long enough to ask them about their stories. So I want to challenge you. Discover stories as you develop friendships. And that means that you ask questions and you listen. Ask questions, ask sincere questions, and then listen sincerely. Ask questions, listen. Ask questions, listen. And you find out about their whole story. Find out about their, their uh, life story, not just their spiritual side. Find out about you know, where they used to live and where they grew up and tell, ask them about their family and about their job and what their interests are, their hobbies, and then find out about their spiritual side. You can ask all kinds of questions about their spiritual side. You know, what do you believe about God? What, what religion did you grow up in? And how has that changed over the years? And why do you think there's so much evil in the world if God exists? And who do you think Jesus is? And do you think there's life after death? All these kinds of questions you can ask non-Christians in a non-threatening way to get, to get them to open up and to, to, to share what they believe. And you can meet them right where they're at. So you got the first two down. The first one is develop friendships. The second one is discover stories. Discover stories. And the third one is discern next steps. Discern next steps. Colossians 4, 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise. As you're, as you're developing friendships and you're discovering their stories, be praying all along, asking the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom as to know how to best take the relationship to the next level. And let me give you some suggestions of what it could be. The, the options are endless, limitless. Um, one option could be, as you're praying, as you're getting to know this person, that the Holy Spirit would lead you to go back to the first D, and just develop the friendship more. Hang out together. Uh, find some commonalities and do that together in a non-threatening way. Just become a better friend. Build bridges of trust. It could be that the Holy Spirit would lead you to go to the second D and discover their story. And you just feel led of God to just ask them more questions about their story and get to know them and really view them as a, as a person, not a project. Or maybe um, you would be led by the Holy Spirit to just offer up to pray for the person. Now, I've got to tell you this story. I, I told this during the training, but one of my favorite things to do is to offer to pray for non-Christians in a sincere way when they share things in their life, you know? And so I was getting to know my next-door neighbor, uh, and we were, this is when I first moved in, and he knew that I worked for a church. He knew that I had a spiritual side, and I knew that he didn't have much of a spiritual side. And, uh, but we were talking about life and so on, and he was telling me that he was in between jobs, and he told me that he was really quite anxious about the fact that he didn't have a job and he was really concerned. And so I said, you know, men, would it be all right with you if I prayed for you? You know, we were outside in the front yard. And he was like, now, right now, here in the front yard in front of everybody? And he, I said, no, 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 no. Would it be okay with you if I just kept you in my personal prayers? He said, oh, my gosh, go have fun with it. Knock yourself out. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. And uh, so I did pray for him. Well, the next day, I got a knock on my front door. And uh, I said, hey, well, what's up? He says, I don't know what kind of connection you have with God, but I got a job. <laughs> and he, he said, can you pray for other things? That'd be cool. You know? <laughs> and I said, sure. And that was what I felt like God was leading me to, to just take the next step with him, sh- show my love and concern for him, and to pray for him. 
You know, and maybe it would be that as you find out about somebody's story, you'd find a way that you could serve them or meet a need or give a resource. Or how about this? Maybe you could share a need that you have and let your friends serve you. Or maybe you could invite them to church. Or maybe the next step would be to invite them to a gathering like your pastor was describing. I love these ideas of a gathering where the non-Christians outnumber the Christians and you talk about spiritual things in a non-threatening way, you know. And you could invite someone to that. Or, or maybe you would discern that the Holy Spirit would be leading you to communicate the gospel in a clear and concise and compelling way. Do you know how to explain the gospel when you're given the opportunity? Are you ready for that? It'll happen. You'll have the opportunity if you develop a friendship, discover stories, and discern next steps. It's just a matter of time, and you'll be able to communicate the gospel so you got the three D's? You got them down? Do you? When uh, I was uh, at Willow Creek this past week, um, um, they asked me to teach the staff about these three D's. In fact, this weekend, we've, we're launching a three-part series where we're talking about the three D's. We're spending one week on each D. So you're getting the abbreviated version, okay? All in one weekend. But um, after the staff meeting, when I taught it to the staff, we have a very large church. We, have, we had 450 people in our staff. So I was teaching them about the 3Ds. And afterwards, people were coming up to me and they were saying, go 3D, go 3D, go 3D. I think they were mocking me. But I, <laughs> I'd say, yeah, go 3D, go 3D. And it became like this mantra all week, go 3D, go 3D. And that's my prayer for you. You're going to go 3D. I got to tell you the rest of the story with Jay. You remember Jay? He went away to his, his college. I went to Indiana University. Don't hold that against me. And uh, we lost touch for a little while. I mean, we weren't in real close touch in spite of our deep friendship. You know, we got busy with our lives and so on. And then two years later, after that one summer where we played tennis over almost every night, he calls me up. And I'm in my dorm room in Reed Dorm, Curry Wing, third floor, room 319 at Indiana University. And uh, Jay's on the phone. He says, Gary, this is Jay. And I go, Jay, how's it going, man? He goes, guess what? Have you ever received a guess what phone call? You'll never forget a guess what phone call. He goes, guess what, Gary? He goes, I met some Christians on my college campus here and." And they knew a lot of the answers to the questions I had. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he goes, and, and, I, and I, I talked to them about God, and they invited me into this little Bible study, and, and I was able to read the Bible for the first time, and, and I, I became convinced there is a God. There is a God. And I can know him through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, I wanted you to be the first person to know that I gave my life to Christ, and he's forgiven me. And he's changed my life. I'm a different person. And I had dropped the phone at this point, you know. <laughs> I had to pick it up. And I go, tell me again, Jay. And he goes, guess what? And uh, my life has been marked by that experience, you know. And uh, he grew up to be an optometrist. And he's a Christ follower to this day. And I stay in touch with him. He actually married a girl named Cheryl, who was in the math class where he did that mock prayer. You know, she was one of the Christians that was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? You know, 
She married him. <laughs> and uh, uh, to see his life change like that, and he, you know, over the phone he said, uh, I just wanted to thank you for being my friend. You know, he said, a lot of non-Christians rejected me. But thanks for being there for me, he said. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for hearing my story. Thanks for knowing what steps to take with me, even though you couldn't answer all my questions, you know. <laughs> and uh, it marked me. And I share that story with you because I know that there's a J in your life right now. I'm convinced of it. There is a person in your world, in your sphere of influence, who's far from God. But you could become their friend. You could develop a genuine, sincere love friendship with them. And you could do life with them. And you could discover their story. You could ask questions about them and draw them out and get to know who they are as people, not as projects. And then through prayer, you could rely on the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, to know how to take them to the next step, to the next level. And that's my prayer for you, is that you'll go 3D. Go 3D. Go 3D. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this chance to worship you in a service like this and to, to be stretched in our faith and to study your word and know that you have a heart for people who are far from you. And I pray that you'd give us a heart for people who are far from you to help us to be intentional about developing friendships with people in 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 an authentic way, a genuine way. And then help us to be intentional about discovering stories and then relying on your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom to discern next steps. Help us, O God, to go 3D. And we'll give you all the credit, all the glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.